1: I'm going to read Genesis chapter 27, 41, and then 28, 10 through 22. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Jacob left Beersheba. And went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head, and he set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I will come again to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. Let me pray for Cyril. Our Father in heaven, I ask that you will bless Cyril as he brings the word. I pray, God, that you will give him the confidence that comes with being united to you, Jesus, and the humility that carries along with it. God, I pray that you'll give us ears to hear and eyes to see your word. And just as you've promised, your spirit will move in our hearts today, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Pastor Joel. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here with you all. And I love this new space. Uh, I, was, I was driving up and I was looking for the, the big building where uh, you, you all used to meet. And uh, I saw the Mosaic Silver Spring sign outside. I was like, oh, cool. They got a new building. And it is great, spacious and beautiful. So I'm excited to be here with you all. Also, I want to say thank you. Uh, I'm one of your missionaries. You all uh, have partnered with me in ministry. Uh, as I do RUF at Howard, so I just want to give you all a big thank you. Uh, thank you for your prayers and your generosity, uh, and just your encouragement. It's been a lot. Um, it means a lot. And um, I thank you as a church, and I thank you uh, as individuals who have been giving and praying, and, and, and who have been an encouragement. Um, also, I, I, I just want to take a moment to uh, just share, um, maybe maybe brag on pastor joel a little bit so he mentioned the first time we met was at a a six mile run on the national mall that was the second time we met the first time i met we we met was at general assembly you remember that and uh uh (laughs) and 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 that's not to correct you it's to say that uh i was it was my first time at general assembly and i didn't know what was going on and pastor joel met up with me for breakfast said i want to love you well and guide you throughout this whole experience And, you know, he's he's ripping and running and and doing everything he needs to do because he's, you know, a leader in in, on all levels, really, of our denomination. But he takes the time to sit down with me and have lunch with me and make sure I'm doing good and make sure I understand all the motions and everything that's going on. So uh, thank you for being a friend and a big bro and a a mentor. All right. Well, uh, without further ado, let's hop into the word. Um, So I want to start our time off by asking you a question. Is there a place where you just really enjoy God's presence? A place where you're like, man, I'm really close to God in this place, or I feel close to God in this place. It could be, you know, your backyard in a certain place where the sun shines perfectly, or it could be on on a beach or a mountain, just places where you're reminded of how small you are and how big God is. But there's likely one place that none of you thought of. It's an island and it's in the middle of nowhere. It's always cloudy and when it rains, it pours. And when it isn't raining, there is scorching hot heat. There's little food, scarce water, no scenic views, and predators all around. But this place is a special place. This place is called weakness. And weakness is the place where we are closest to God, where God's power is made perfect. Weakness is the place where we are desperate, powerless, hurting, and vulnerable. And this family is the place where God dwells in our lives. And I want to look at this from Jacob's life. So the main point for our time today is God dwells in your weakest moments. If you don't get anything else from our time, that's the main point. God dwells in our weakest moments. So we see in our passage, uh, Jacob had just received the blessing in birthright that initially belonged to his stronger, older, more ferocious brother Esau. Uh, basically, Jacob was kind of like um, maybe a mama's boy and he was in the tent all the time and he kind of just hung out and, and, and did his thing there, and Esau was kind of like the strong, gruff brother, and he was real hairy, he went out and, and killed animals, he was the hunter. Um, but there was a prophecy over his life when, when they were born, they were, they were born at the same time, and it said that uh, the, the younger will serve, the, uh, the, the older will serve the younger, which was the opposite of how things usually happened so this is why Jacob gets the blessing because his mom Rebecca knows the prophecy that was spoken over his life and she's like all right we got to find a way for this prophecy to happen and so they kind of trick Isaac their father Isaac is old and he's nearly blind and he is going to uh give Esau the blessing but Jacob comes in and he has like you know animal skins around him so he feels like Esau and uh he he uh cooks the food that 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 uh Or the mom cooks the food that that Isaac likes, and they trick the father, and Jacob gets the blessing. So Esau is furious. And by the way, Esau actually sold the blessing and the birthright earlier in their lives, but he's still furious anyway. So he's like, I'm going to kill Jacob. And so now Jacob's mom is like, hey, your brother's going to kill you. Get out of here and go to our, our relative's home. And so Jacob is on the run, he's he's afraid for his life, he's in the middle of nowhere, and it says that he lays down and he lays his head on a rock. I don't know if any of y'all have laid your head down on a rock, but that sounds pretty desperate to me. (laughs) And he is sleeping alone, scared for his life in the middle of nowhere, in danger, no food, water, clothing, shelter. He is desperate, powerless, hurting, and vulnerable. And in this place, he has a vision of stairs. And he sees angels going up and down. And God basically gives him these amazing promises. The same promises that his father got, the same promises that his grandfather got. And Jacob woke up. He's like, surely the Lord is in this place. Now, when when you hear a ladder, don't think of like a ladder, like, you know, fireman ladder. Think of a temple. Oftentimes, temples, they were basically ladders that kind of led up to the heavens. And that was a place where uh, earth and heaven, man and the gods met. And so Jacob is like, whoa, this place is the house of God. He's been saying this place is like a temple. That's why he called it Bethel. Beth means house and El means God, the house of God. And y'all, there was nothing particularly special about that patch of dirt that Jacob was sleeping on other than the fact it was the place of Jacob's weakness. This was the place where he was weakest and desperate, and this is the place where the Lord dwelled. And I want to look at Jacob's uh, life narrative and pick up on the moments where the word Bethel comes up. The, 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 the word Bethel means house of God, remember, the place where God dwells. But the problem is, in these uh, moments of desperation and powerlessness we often run away from God instead of to him. We waste these moments of weakness. Uh, In those moments where we're desperate and powerless, we rebel against God instead of seeking him. And this makes an already bad situation even worse. And from Jacob's life, I want to look at situations uh, where Jacob is desperate and where God reminds him, I am the God of Bethel. So I have two points, and we'll go through them quickly. Uh, but the first point is, God dwells in your weakest moments, even when the powerful exploit you. God dwells in your weakest moments, even when the powerful exploit you. So we're we're jumping ahead to Genesis chapter 31. You, you don't have to flip there. But long story short, and, and we're going to continue with Jacob's life. Basically, he gets to his uncle Laban's house. Jacob has already proven himself to be a trickster And Laban is even worse So he gets there and he's like I want to marry your daughter Rachel And Laban uh, basically tricks him And he gets married to Leah uh, And then uh, basically if he wants to marry Rachel He's got to work even more years And he's there for 20 years And during that whole time Laban keeps on changing his wages Keeps on tricking him and exploiting him And Jacob's like you know what I've, after, At this point Jacob has 12 sons And he tells Laban hey I want to go uh, and Laban's like, but please stay because the Lord is blessing my house because of you. Name your price. And he says, I want all the speckled, spotted, and streaked lambs as my wages. So there's no, there's no confusion. Uh, so, so if you're like wages, basically back then like lambs and camels and goats and stuff like that, that was like money. So basically, <laughs> so as my wages, I want the speckled, spotted, and streaked lambs. And Laban says, okay, but guess what Laban does? He takes all those lambs out of the flock that Jacob was overlooking and gives it to his sons. So now, how is Jacob going to get uh, his wages? Remember, Laban's a trickster, but God looks out for him. God kind of miraculously puts uh, speckled spotted and streaked lambs in Jacob's flock. And then eventually, almost all the, the, the lambs are speckled spotted and streaked. And now Laban and his sons are haters. They're looking at Jacob and like, how is he still getting uh, lambs? And so Jacob's like, you know what? He, he goes to his wives and says, you know what? It's time to go because Laban is now getting hostile towards me. And it's funny, Laban's daughters, who are Jacob's wife, said, you know what, yeah, let's bounce. Because, you know, we don't really like our dad that much anyway. And so uh, the text says this. Um, basically, Jacob says, I was, I was dreaming, and God came to him and said this. Look up, and you will see that only the streaked, speckled and spotted males are mating with the females of your flock. For I have seen how Laban has treated you. I'm the God who appeared to you at Bethel, the place where you anointed the altar, anointed the pillar of stone and made your vow to me. Now get ready and leave this country and return to the land of your birth. So basically God tells Jacob, all right, get ready to go. Remember, I'm the God who dwells in your weakest moments because this was scary. He's running away from this hostile trickster person who is in power over him. And so he's running away, and then Laban realizes that every, uh, his daughters are gone, Jacob's gone, and Laban starts pursuing Jacob. And we don't know what Laban's going to do. Laban could uh, be violent against Jacob. But as Laban is pursuing Jacob, God steps in, and God basically says, do not touch Jacob. And when Laban finally overcomes Jacob, he tells Jacob this. He said, I could destroy you. But the God of your father appeared to me last night and warned me, leave Jacob alone. Y'all, that's powerful. I'm here to tell you this morning that the God of Bethel dwells in your weakest moments, even as the powerful seek to exploit you. Jacob was totally vulnerable. He was in a weak moment and he didn't even know behind the scenes that God was threatening anyone who would touch him. And he didn't even find out until Laban got there. Some of our weakest moments in our lives are when people who are more powerful than us or who are in authority over us seek to harm us. Has anybody ever been there? Maybe it could be when the evil one is putting temptation all around us in every way and on every side. It could be when we encounter racism from the people who are in authority over us or grieve from people who are in authority over us. Maybe it's our parents or our spouses who are seeking to to manipulate us. Maybe our professors or school officials are taking advantage of us. Or maybe um, those who have physically or emotionally abused you are seeking to torment you. But it is in these moments where God, like with Jacob, is protecting you in ways that you can't even see and is advancing his plan to fulfill his promises to you. In these moments, God can seem really far away, but in fact, these are places of Bethel, the places where God is near to you and will press deeper into fellowship with you. He will fulfill his promises to you no matter what. But secondly, I want to look at um, the, the, the second time where God shows up in Jacob's life. God dwells in your weakest moments, even when the powerful surround you god dwells in your weakest moments even when the powerful surround you so sometime later uh jacob dwells in shechem and the town is named after the prince of shechem whose name is shechem <laughs> and shechem he does a horrible thing he rapes uh jacob's da- one, of, one of jacob's daughters named Dinah. and so basically shechem and his father come to jacob and he says, ma'am, you know, my, my son actually wants to marry her. He's in love with her. Please, you know, I, like he, he did something wrong, but please give her hand in marriage to my son Shechem. And Jacob's sons were furious. And so they come up with a plan. They said, you know what? We will we'll let this marriage happen and we'll join our family with yours. But what, what I want y'all to do is y'all need to be circumcised first. Basically, you all need to become a part of our covenant family first. So all the men of the town, they get circumcised and Jacob's sons go in and slaughter all of the men while they're recovering from this from the circumcision procedure. And now, you know, this is a very morally complex situation because here the brothers are getting vengeance, but they slaughtered the a whole town for something that one guy did. And there's everything is really complex. And Jacob, in the midst of all this, he says this to his sons. You have ruined me. You made me stink among all the people of this land, among all the Canaanites and Perizzites. We are so few that they will join forces and crush us. I will be ruined and my entire household will be wiped out. Jacob is back in the place of weakness, the place of powerlessness and desperation. But listen to what God tells Jacob. Uh, God told Jacob to go back to Bethel Uh, the the text says this so Jacob told everyone in his household get rid of all your pagan idols purify yourselves and put on clean clothing we are now going to Bethel where I will build an altar to the God who answered my prayers when I was in distress he has been with me wherever I have gone and the Bible says this They, they they set out and it says as they set out a terror from God spread over all the people in all the towns of that area, so no one attacked Jacob's family. Eventually, Jacob and his household arrived at Luz, also called Bethel in Canaan. Jacob built an altar there and named the place El Bethel, which means God of Bethel, because God had appeared to him there when he was fleeing from his brother Esau. You see how Bethel is such a prominent place in Jacob's life? because he is always in a place of weakness so he's always going back to the reality that god dwells with him in his weakest moments family i'm here to tell you this morning that god dwells with you in your weakness even as the powerful surrounds you as jacob was when he was running away family the the bible says that a terror fell around all of the people surrounding jacob as he was fleeing as he thought he, he and his family were going to be slaughtered just as they did to someone else. God protected them. You could be in what seems like a lose-lose situation with your back against the wall. It could be when you feel as though there's no escape from a hostile environment. It could be when you are stuck in a house where everyone in your family might be toxic and there's no way out. It could be when you are working at a job where everyone seeks to manipulate you. It is in these moments God can seem really far away, but that place is your Bethel, the place where God dwells. And in that place, God is still working. He is fulfilling his promises to you no matter what. So what are we to do with this? I want to encourage you to boast in your weaknesses Do not waste those moments of insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles while you are seeking to be faithful to Jesus in whatever sphere of life you're following Jesus in. And especially during maybe a season in your life when there's a crisis or even during the pandemic, when we feel desperate, powerless, and vulnerable. And why? Because the Apostle Paul says this. uh, There were three times he was praying for the Lord to take away his affliction, and the Lord said this to him. Um, that that my grace is all you need, my power works best in weakness. And Paul says this, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Do not waste those moments of weakness because that is where Christ's power displays itself brightly. And so what does it actually look like to press deeper into trusting the Lord in these moments? It looks like actually actively trusting the Lord, So when you are weak, pray more, not less. Embrace Christian community and not isolation. Receive God's word and not the devil's lies. Bless those who persecute you instead of cursing. Forgive those who wrong you instead of seeking revenge. Give thanks instead of complaining. Do good to God and to people and not evil. Run from temptation and not to it. Persevere when you feel like giving up. These are practical ways you can seek God as you are trusting in him and you will see God's power show up in the midst of your weakness his power to equip you to continue running the Christian race even in these moments but you might be thinking you know what that's great that uh you know you're saying all this preacher man but that's just something you're supposed to say because it's Sunday morning that won't happen to me I've been in weak moments and it feels like too many times I've been abandoned and you know you might be thinking you know I've messed up too badly for God to help me But I'm here to tell you today that if you have Jesus, you have Bethel, no matter what your situation looks like. Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, you will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Basically, Jesus is saying, I am the true Bethel. Jesus is the place where God dwells. And if you have Jesus, you have God's presence itself 24 7 in full unadulterated measure and if you belong to jesus you can be certain that god dwells with you in your weakness you have it better than jacob you see because of our sins god would be right to use our situations as punishment but jesus died on the cross for our sins and god was far away from jesus in his weakest moment so that god can be close to you and yours See, you see, when Jesus died, Bethel was hanging on the cross. And I think that's a beautiful picture of the Christian life, that the place where God dwells is also the place of the cross. The the place of the cross is the place where the power and presence and salvation of God lives. Jesus is able to be your Bethel because he knows what it is like to be in a weak moment. He was there on the cross and he can relate to your weak moment in every way but the resurrection from the dead lets us know that weakness isn't the final word over your life the resurrection shows us that god's power works best in weakness the greatest miracle that ever happened on the face of the planet also happened in the midst of the biggest tragedy on the face of the planet Resurrection and the cross happen simultaneously in the Christian life. The same places where you bear your cross, where you are suffering, where you are sacrificing, where you're going through it, are the same places where God in his resurrection power is empowering you and equipping you and uplifting you, and his face is shining over you, and this is true because of Jesus. So, y'all, God dwells in your weakest moments, even when the powerful exploit you, even when the powerful surround you. And you can be sure of this because of Jesus' work on your behalf. Amen? Would you all pray with me? Lord, thank you for the opportunity to gather with you this morning. Lord, I thank you that you are good and loving and kind and powerful and righteous and holy and just. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us this morning as we're going through uh, weakness as we're going through situations where the powerful surround us, perhaps, or the powerful seek to exploit us. Lord, I ask that you would be the lifter of our heads. God, I pray that we would trust in you, that we would know that you are going to fulfill your promises no matter what, and that you are with us in powerful ways, even when you seem really far away. And we know this because of your son Jesus' work on our behalf. So, Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength to press deeper into faithfulness, that we would submit to you and obey you because we know that there is life when that happens. Even when we feel like, you know what, submitting to the Lord and his kingship and his rulership is not for me in this season. Lord, would you rebuke those lies straight from the devil's mouth? Lord, I pray that you would help us. Would you empower us? Would you fill us with your spirit? Amen.